Georgia Dow is a therapist, but she's not your therapist. This show should not substitute a personal consultation with a professional. I don't hear her yet, but I'm pretty sure she's coming any minute, and I, I think she might be with us. Hang on one second. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody told me. <laughs> so so now George, Georgia is here, even if you don't actually hear her voice. You just know you that she's... You guys didn't see the hashtag? You didn't see the hashtag? What hashtag? The hashtag. Georgia Dowleaks. Wikipedia just put all of Georgia's uh, emails on the internet for people oh, to Oh, from read. her private so server? It's uh, from her private server. It's all out here. It's it's really embarrassing. All right. All right. We got, we got breaking news right okay. here. Georgia Dow once ran off with a Canadian moose mountie without getting permission, just took it off and ran with it into the woods. So very disappointed, Georgia. Big scandal this week. Very disappointed. And she's off uh, in the Canadian courts trying to deal with that. I hear it's just a matter of going around to, I think it's like a list of 100 Canadians, and you just have to say sorry to them, and then they sign to say that you said sorry, and that's how you you have your punishments in Canada. It's pretty, yeah, uh, that... So apparently that's all it takes to reform a Canadian, so not, not too difficult there. But I see, yeah. I had heard a rumor that she got kidnapped by robotic chihuahuas. Is that not the case? <laughs> Steve, this is all you did. This is oh you, my, my man. I, I had nothing think, to say. Honestly, yeah. like, you see, I finally found a dog that I can, I can identify with. What? Hold on. That's, wait. You can't take a living, breathing dog that loves you with all its heart and soul, but you can have a robotic chihuahua. First of all, why don't you describe what the heck a robotic chihuahua is and then why you think that's going to be a good dog for you? I, I actually like the other one from Boston Dynamics, but I'll th- but there. so there are two what? robot... What? The one from Boston Dynamics is more scary than the Terminator Salvation That's movie. how much I don't like real dogs, is I would rather deal with Boston Dynamics than, you know, a canine. We're coming to an understanding here of just how deep the fear goes. Mike, this is terrifying, right? Like to like the Boston Dynamics. Listen, if I could have a dog that could go into the fridge and fetch me a Dr. Pepper and hand it to me, then I would be I would be happy. Like, what's wrong with that? It's just like that, except it's not a Dr. Pepper. It's a human skull <laughs> that they've just harvested. Well, that's what real dogs do, though. They bring you like oh. like like otter corpus, corpses and stuff like no, that. No, they took no. Littlefoot. They took Littlefoot, that that beautiful, wonderful little creature from Land Before Time. They stripped it of its skin and its muscles, and they dipped it in that stuff that uh, Wolverine is made of, and then they put it in your house and said, "Go." Take dishes from the sink and yeah. put them in the dishwasher. Perfect. I don't have to do dishes anymore. This is better than a dog. Until it turns on you. Well, I mean, the robot the robot uprising is going to happen anyway. Maybe if I make friends with one, I'll live another, like, you know, 15 <laughs> minutes or so. My human dogs would never... My human dogs. What did I just Your say? My dogs. canine dogs <laughs> would never turn on me ever Whoa, in the history Freudian. of ever. 
Freud and slip, exactly. I do think that my dogs are humans, but this thing, like, it could snap and you would be gone. I, I can't sleep with this thing in my house. I, I mean, I'm not the one who's leaving banana peels for the dog to slip on like they are. So, you know, I, I would I would treat the robot dog with respect is what I'm saying. This is how the obituary of Steve Lukitz will be. It will be oh like the, the Terminator Skynet situation because of Google's privacy policies. That will happen any day now. And, like, you're going to be, like, there'll be some dog out there with red glowing eyes with, like, with like bones stuck in his robot teeth. And you'll be like, oh, this seems safe. This seems like a good idea. And then you'll just, and then end the Steve. That's how it's going to happen. See, I will serve as a warning for the rest of humanity, and that will be my legacy. It's fantastic. Everybody wins. You've got that, like, that hero mentality where you, you feel like you got to yes. put yourself in danger's way to, to get, to, like, proclaim your fame or something. Yeah, yeah. When <laughs> you think of fame. Steve Lubitsch, you think of, of hero putting himself in danger's way. That's, that's what you think of. Absolutely. All the time. Now, when I think of Steve Lubitsch, I think of either A, death by robot dog, or B, <laughs> hatred of the wonder that is the canine. Uh... Those are the two things I think of. And also salt. Micah, but you're, you're a normal person. You're a normal <laughs> human being with normal feelings. You, you, you're rational. So back me up on this. See, okay. I, want us, I don't want us making robot dogs. What I want is for us to, like, you know how we've genetically modified food? Mm-hmm. I want us to genetically modify dogs. And I want a Havanese that's so big I can ride her to work. Oh, my I gosh. Want, yeah, I want a Havanese the size of a horse that I can oh go out God. there and brush. And then I can sleep on the hot, like, I can just put a mattress on the Havanese back. <laughs> a and Casper mattress. There. Yeah, a Casper mattress. I am literally just... picturing the luck dragon from the never ending story, but it's your Havanese dog instead. Yeah. <laughs> that would yeah, be incredible. That that would be the biggest pillow mania surprise ever. Is is what it that would be? Steve's worst nightmare. <laughs> yeah, too. oh yeah, that would be terrifying. <laughs> I yes. I know no. <laughs> my my uh my, I have relatives who actually have a genetically modified dog. It isn't uh, as big as we are hoping in our hearts, Brie, but it is um it's it's like a it's oh goodness, what is it? It's a Labrador mixed with a poodle, but they took like double the poodle and mixed it with a Labrador. So it's as big as like a pony and is just the most wonderful dog in the world. And yeah, so clearly if that works, if you can grow a dog in a tube and it turns into the dog that I'm thinking of in my mind, which literally like belongs on Sesame Street, it looks like a Muppet and is just the most <laughs> loving dog in the world, then I am so on board with a horse dog. And I want wait, that wait, wait, like wait, right wait. now. What's this? What's this? What's happening? What's going on? What's going on? Georgia, you're in my house. Hi, <laughs> it's Georgia Dow. I'm Georgia. Dow. Georgia, I'm so wow, glad you're you okay. We... To our show. I did. I didn't think I would be able to come down here from Canada. Uh, can Can Georgia play a song for us so that we know that it's her? Um, <laughs> I love Canada, Canada, oh Canada, yeah. How about that? Oh, that'll do. That'll do. <laughs> that'll have to do. Usually I'm used to that uh, coming from a tinny microphone at the yeah. bottom of our yeah, uh, speaker yeah. at the bottom of a, of a phone. She likes to you like to play your music from your phone, don't you? Uh, Georgia, Georgia, get the hell out of my office. Yeah, <laughs> We're trying to have a show here, Georgia Dow. Yeah, oh, oh, God. Georgia oh, Dow. dear. Well, uh, you know what? 
let's talk about Linode. This episode, this episode of Disruption is brought to you by Linode. And again, that's Linode, not Linode, which I've learned every time I read this lovely advertisement from our dear friends at Linode. So you're probably wondering what the heck Linode is. Well, it's a combination of high-performance, solid-state drive, that's SSD Linux servers, spread across eight data centers around the world. So not just here in the U.S., all over the place. And that's what makes Linode a fantastic solution for your server infrastructure. You can get a server up and running in under a minute. So you can go to Linode and you can get a server in under a minute, which is awesome. And those plans just start at $10 a month, which is going to get you two gigabytes of RAM. So you can do a lot of processing. So like if you want to make your own robo dog and you need it to have, you know, some AI built in, which is a bad idea, but here we are, then you can get a Linode server up and going and you got two gigabytes of RAM to work with, which it's going to need if it's going to be, you know, smart on its own. You're going to be able to choose your resources, your Linux, Linux, Linux distro and your node location right from within the manager tool. And once you're up and running, it's so easy to deploy, boot, and resize your virtual server with just a few clicks. I mean, what we're hearing right now is that Linode is super, super simple, and it only takes under a minute. That's awesome. So you might be wondering what the heck you can do with Linode. You know, maybe you're not uh, necessarily uh, a big programmer or, or making video games or doing any cool stuff like that. But there are lots of different tasks for Linode. So you can run your own private Git server. You can host large databases. You can run a mail server. So if you'd rather keep your mail to yourself and not have it running on Gmail or something like that, just use Linode. You can operate powerful applications like that uh, that app that's going to control your robot dog, and so much more. They've got industry-leading native SSD storage, that's solid-state drive storage, and have access to a 40-gigabit network. I wish I had access to a 40-gigabit network. You'll have all the power you, need, power you need to get your tasks done. So how do you go get started with Linode? Well, as a listener of the show, if you sign up at linode.com slash disruption, you're not only going to be supporting all of us here and all of our ridiculousness, but you're also going to get $20 toward any Linode plan. And they've got a seven-day money-back guarantee, which is awesome. So, I mean, you go try it out for a week, and if you don't like it, you get your money back. So go to linode.com slash disruption to learn more, sign up, and take advantage of that 20 bucks off, or use the promo code disruption20 at checkout. Thanks again so much to Linode for supporting this show and all of Relay. And don't forget, use the code disruption20 or go to linode.com slash disruption. So... Let's talk about how Apple Music can be really terrible, as we've learned, at yes. sharing playlists. Horrible. Yes. Horrible at sharing yes. playlists. Horrible. Uh, there are some really awesome professionals whose job is to just make really good playlists for different services. Not even just Apple Music, but a bunch of other ones, too. And there was this really awesome article in BuzzFeed called Inside the Playlist Factory. And it talks about these teams of anonymous music fans who go around and try to make awesome playlists and and figure out like hey should we put you know a queen in this playlist about running or should we choose something Ugh. from brianna's uh yeah. george Adal zombie chow playlist so yeah let's let's talk about playlists and curation and all that fun stuff well i have to say so i have a piece uh i don't know if it'll be out by the time the the show goes up but uh you know uh i'm more editor serenity caldwell friend of the show uh was nice enough she's been nice enough to let me write a bit about apple music lately and 
I am, you know, I have worked with senators. I have worked with, uh, you know, I've worked on the same stats, sets as like, you know, actors or household names. And I, I'm just like, whatever, dude, I don't care. But I got really starstruck by this interview that I got to do this week. So Anna Leno is, um, you know, she's actually, I, I know a lot of people don't know a lot about dance music, but she's probably the best known woman DJ in the world. And she's just freaking awesome. And she's got, um, you know, a, a, she has a show every single week on Beats One. Um, and I actually got to like talk to her about that and kind of talk more about Beats One as um as a you know kind of a a product that's part of Apple Music. And you know it's a it's a really interesting uh, problem if you think about it, uh, Steve. You know because you're not as I go like Micah. Um, <laughs> you know, do you remember when the iPod uh, third generation came out and Apple just exploded? Like, do you remember that summer? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was huge. Yeah, right? it was it was enormous, and it was like the thing that everyone coveted at the time like it's hard right. to imagine if you didn't if you like have always grown up with having an iPods or having iPhones but like the idea of being able to go from these horrible like CD like Bree, did you ever have like the CD case that attached to your car? Oh yeah, and then if your car gets robbed and your case logic case gets stolen, that's the worst. You don't you can replace your car, you can't replace your CDs. <laughs> like you know? Yeah, like I I left half of one of those on a plane going back and forth to college and I lost and of course those are going to be like the most important CDs to me ever right and right, those those right. CDs were just like gone I think I've replaced some of them since and now it's it's the kind of not an issue but that was like devastating to me in like 1999 True story. I'm still trying to find my copy of Jock Jams Three on all the time. Oh my god! Got a great remix of No Diggity that I like. Like, and we're gonna party like it's 1996 again. So, uh, yeah, but Beats One is a really interesting problem because all that that we're talking about, Steve, like the iPod, that was to get away from radio. It, it was because, like, if you grew up in a crappy town in Mississippi, like everybody's listening to like uh, Hank Williams, whatever his name is, and like you know all this normal music. You want to find your stuff. So the iPod really existed to kind of decentralize music and give you your own stuff. So my piece is all about how you know now, thirteen years later, uh, past the introduction of the iPod third gen, uh, we kind of have an opposite problem that now there's so much music out there and we don't commonly share our culture you know there's not um you know i uh, steve you and i compared names of bands we listen to i would <laughs> not imagine we'd recognize e any of each other's right so you know beats one is to kind of solve that uh so they've got this really really excellent show every single week it's called hyper house uh anna Leno is this uh she's originally an australian dj and, um, you know, I actually got to sit down and talk to her about how she selects all of her songs for Beats 1. And it's 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 shoe leather work. Like, it's going through piles of CDs and listening to sample lists and going through SoundCloud and basically, you know, putting together two hours of shows every single week. So, I don't know. It's pretty badass. Yeah. And, and this is kind of like I've been trying to solve a problem like this for a long time because like for the first couple of years of the iPod, it was great because you took all these like random one off songs that you own the CD. Like I always bought the CD, even if I, I have like this aversion to like just buying singles. 
So I would yeah. always buy the CD even if it was just like one song. And then I would never listen to that CD because that was the only song that was good. And then you would take mm-hmm. all those and just throw them into a playlist and like this is my music and you just put it on shuffle and that, like that's your radio station. Like I listened – that was one actually one of the things that originally drove me to discover podcasts back in 2005 when I got my iPod is that music podcasts were a thing. I, I don't even know if they still are. I'm sure they are. But like there were – Podcasts that were just like taking indie artists and probably not getting the rights to them and just playing music. And you found a lot. That's how I found the Decemberists originally was from a podcast. And but there it's hard to to find anything that you list that that is similar to what you listen to. And it's even like the algorithmic things like Pandora was interesting for a while until it wasn't. And even like, you know, for you and Apple Music is we've talked at length about how that's bad at surfacing things. But Mm -hmm, I actually mm -hmm. listening after you talked about I forget if it was last week or the week before you were talking about how good the playlists were. I went to go just like look for them, like not look at the ones that for you was offering me because like I don't really need deep cuts of Fleetwood Mac. I've never listened to Fleetwood Mac on purpose in my life. But that's a good call. Good call. <laughs> but I went I went in like searching for the playlist and they're not easy to find, by the way, because you, you go into playlists and they're not there. You you know, you click on the playlist tab and you would think that they would be there and they're not. You have to go like into new and then scroll down and then you can find a list of them. I have really specific tastes in music. Like I couldn't explain to you what my taste is, but I know what it is. And I know that I like I often don't like things that a lot of people like. And I couldn't tell you why, but I just don't. Well, and you like non-dance music. I mean, right. to me, it's very binary, right? Like, either, like there's option A and there's option B. So. Yeah, and I like a lot of weird stuff. And so, like, none of the algorithms ever work because my music is – my taste is, like, so specific that it never works for me. I found a couple of these of these playlists. There was one, like, new, like, new breakout alternative artists and there was, like, an alternative chill playlist. And, like, I listened to them all the way through. Like, I have ADD. I never listened to a playlist all the way through that I didn't make myself. Because I just get bored and I flip through and like every single one of the songs was something that maybe it wasn't exactly what I would have picked, but it was really good stuff. Um, And I was really surprised by how good it was. I think the problem is that I was like motivated to go look for them and for you never surfaced that either of those playlists that I found. I had to go digging Hmm. for them myself and kind of pick that out. And I think that's kind of the problem that Apple Music has is that they have this great – this amazing treasure trove and they're not doing a good job of surfacing them but that's that's the whole thing that anna Lino's show solves yeah right? that's what beats one solves and i mean micah are you more what's your what's your musical jam like are you into pop r&b like what are you into uh i'm honestly pretty much everything oh, i i'll even listen you can't like everything you have to like pick a side things. sergeant yeah. Whenever it comes to what I'm going to listen to most, it's electric pop. Uh, that's like that's my jam, jam. Like, like Justin Bieber. I mean, uh, Justin Timberlake. Yeah. Oh gosh, no. I, I, <laughs> sorry, I mean like. Wow, that uh, was very, maybe, that was a very very gutty oh, reaction yeah, there. No, what's wrong with what's what's wrong with Justin Timberlake? <gasps> electric indie, I guess. Uh, I'm thinking again, the Postal Service, which is my favorite band. Uh, Death Cab for Cutie, which isn't quite. Uh, what'd you like say? Sy- Steve? Like synth pop kind of stuff. 
Yeah, yeah, synth pop. That's the term. Okay. Thank you. I could not think of it. Uh, synth pop is is where most of my musical enjoyment falls. Um, but I also like some uh, some of the songs on that playlist of yours that we won't name here because you <laughs> said that you got some blowback on. Uh, I like some of those songs too. So really, other than like really hard rap music, uh, I'm I'm good with. You don't I'm good like with. I'm good with it all. Come on, be nah, honest, Micah. Nah. How, do, how do you feel about Swedish death metal? Swedish death metal? <laughs> okay, so you're, you're, you're picking out some of the, the things on the edges that I'm also not a fan of. But uh, I like Little John's, like, the, I consider that more hip-hop. The the stuff that, that, you know, you play in a club. But, like, I'm talking hard rap music and trap music yeah. and all the stuff that the kids are in today. Not <laughs> not into that, personally. Not Not my oh, jam. Okay. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I, I like a lot of music. Uh, it's 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 all good. It's all good. I don't. Know, it's hard for me to put myself in in your generation's shoes on this, Micah. This is what sucks mm-hmm. about getting older. Because like, I mean, Steve, you and I have this experience of when like you know it's like to like buy a second phone line for your house. Oh yeah. Dedicate it to illegally stealing music all of the time. And oh yeah. <laughs> that, like the FBI is not going to come. Yeah, and go and, and going to like to random me. FTP servers looking yeah. for very specific very safe pre-napster yeah oh god oh god see yeah. so i mean micah anything you've ever wanted to hear you just i have yeah go to youtube even if you don't want to pay for it for steve and i yeah mm-hmm. like we're a generation that like like this was cutting edge technology to go to office depot and get a giant spindle of cds and hook it up to your crappy windows 98 <laughs> pentium computer with this horrible cd rom burner and like try to burn it four times and then get it to work sometimes <laughs> yep. in your car like that was cutting edge stuff yeah right. that was absolutely cutting edge and you know, it's just, I know we're getting off point here, but this is what makes Apple Music so freaking ironic that it's it's getting away from all of that. It's going back to, you know, let's um, like find specific songs for people to like. So Animal and yeah. a really good example. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like, there's a song uh, it's by Dirty Harry, Acting Up. I've never heard it before in my entire life. She plays it on her show. It makes the first hour. I hear it. I'm like... Boom, that's my summer jam right there. So, you know, every single time I'm out, like, rolling with my windows down, like, listening to it stereo blaring, like, looking at strangers next to me going, yeah, you're going to hear acting up right now. You know, like, it's it's that. It's, like, introducing mm. you to fun new songs. And mm-hmm. what really frustrates me about this is I and I'd love your opinion on this, Micah, but Apple News has been blasted so unfairly in the press. It makes me angry reading some of the news about it. It's just, you know, it's this typical, like, rooting for Apple to fail thing that Mm -hmm. everyone does and, you know, doing hysterical stories about deleting all your music. It won't. And, you know, just basically kicking them whenever they get a chance. And it's frustrating to see, like, Zane Lowe and Anna Leneau doing incredibly awesome work and just not getting any credit for it. Yeah, I think that there is certainly, well, frankly, when it comes to both Beats One and these actual human individuals who are making the playlists that aren't in Beats One, those two categories are incredible. And I think that there's some really awesome music out there that, and playlists, frankly, and, and these 
performers is is what what the, I mean they're 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 talented performers who not only are professionals who are who are creating these these shows and these playlists and things for people but at the same time like they're coming with a show and that's that's awesome yeah. uh, so I I'm really yeah I'm super fond of these things and I think that it's the small like playlist library issues that end up being a problem but the actual discovery and the and the music and all that kind of stuff I think is awesome and yeah Bri I agree with you even whenever this first came out whenever Apple Music was was in its infancy I can remember being like the only person among my my uh like local group of friends who was going what do you mean I've discovered so much music it's awesome I get to see all of these playlists and and find all this new music through this and everyone's like why keeps deleting my library <laughs> and I think if you can I don't know I yes there are problems that need to be fixed but uh they whenever it comes to just kind of like I don't know. I've been very laissez-faire, I guess, about my playlist, I mean, my library management, and that has reduced anxiety and stress and, like, distaste for Apple Music tenfold, because now I just, like, go through and go through the For You and find some music that I want and hit add to my library and then listen to it, and I'm good to go. I don't have to worry about, yeah, my Boot Mix 1942 boot mix. recording of, of the live show behind the Barney's uh, grocery store is just got deleted by Apple Music. I don't have that, so I don't have to worry about it. Listen, I've worked really hard to find the German cover of Aqua's Barbie Girl back in the day, and I will not have that Apple Music. Bad. That song is so bad. I know. This is what makes me angry. It's a slur against my people, dance music fans, when people think that Barbie <laughs> Girl and Macarena is dance music. It's uh, not. It's a betrayal. Uh, and oh my god, like uh, oh, It's the Jar Jar oh, Binks yeah. of dance oh, music. Oh, it just makes He's so embarrassed. I tell you what I'm gonna do though, Micah. Before next week's show, I'm gonna send you Brianna Wu's filthy hardcore rap uh playlist. <laughs> and it's gonna have it's gonna have some of the dirtiest lyrics you've ever heard in your life. And I'll tell you, if you ever like come over and like, you know, roll with me in Boston, I will I will sing every one of those lyrics to you. No. It'll be great. We'll just be rolling around in my awesome two thousand two Honda Accord, which is badass. I get that enough from my younger siblings. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know if I can take it from a friend <laughs> yeah. as well. Uh, I, I do. I do want to just jump off of something that you said though about getting laissez-faire with your library management because I've noticed I've been doing that too, and I don't know that I feel like that's a good thing. Like I had when I first got iTunes, like my I ripped every CD that I owned. And oh, yeah. my library grew to somewhere between like thirteen and 15,000 tracks by the time that I finally got iTunes Match, whenever that was. And I'm one of those people that would go through and listen to every single song on every single album and rate them and build smart playlists <laughs> over them. Like I Whoa. had a system. Whoa. And it was wow. like this was hyper-focused to the nth degree with my music playlist. Like my entire like – apartment at the time could be like burning down around me but damn it that library was going to be in order and i was going to hear only the songs that i wanted to hear i actually had a playlist to help me go through things that i hadn't listened to in six months and re-rate them no and i have i have abandoned all of that and and it's it's freeing in a way because lord knows it sounds ridiculous when i'm even describing it to you but at the same time like i don't feel like i value things that i add to my library anymore like like when i would get 
a new album. Like I would buy something even from like Amazon MP3 or I'd find like a UCD at Newberry Comics or whatever. Like that was like a big deal. And I would like listen to that for the next like couple of, you know, few days and then integrate it into my library. And I feel like it's such a a difference to just press the plus. Like, I feel like I'm just throwing stuff in a lot of the time. And it, it, you know, there's not really that care to it to say, this is something I really want to like keep. There's not much difference between stuff that's in my library and stuff that's just kind of out there in the world. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know. I don't really mess with that. Like I used to make fun of people that did that in the nineties. Not you though, Steve, other people. Um, I don't know. You just, I mean, I, it's funny because most people know me as like a, you know, feminist or game developer, but like my love of EDM, like I just, I can tell you encyclopedic information about that. And I just, I feel like Spice Girls, Thunderpush remix, uh, from, you know, 2000, (laughs) boom, I got it i've got it in my mind right now so i don't know that's never really been a problem for me it's certainly not now where you know you'll be thinking about a song you'll be like oh yeah emma buttons um you know remix of this boom go get it i i don't know mm-hmm. it's not something i really think about i mm-hmm. sometimes use the uh heart and like a dislike things the the heart and dislike functionality in apple music but only very rarely do i even do that i don't know i just i end up finding playlists and albums and artists that i like enough that i end up sticking to that a lot and every once in a when i when i'm like uh, i don't want to listen to this playlist again so i will go to the for you and find some new fun stuff to listen to but most of the time i know exactly what i'm in the mood for whether that be uh listening to the hamilton soundtrack <laughs> or uh or you know going back and listening to again the postal service or the uh oh goodness what's it called the social network soundtrack Oh, Whatever it's happens so to be, good. is it's that so not good. just so good? I, in motion. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, I, oh. I, oh my gosh, so good. It's like my my work playlist. If I need to sit down and focus for a long time, I just that's just on repeat. The whole doggone playlist. Anyway, so the, the album rather. So I, yeah. Sometimes like if I really like a song, then I'll hit that little love button. But I don't know. I I never really use the star features, and I uh, I I don't. I, it's interesting. I, I don't know. I respect that, you know, Steve, that was at some, at one point, something that you cared about. It just never ended up being a thing. I was more, uh, I guess looking for new almost, I think is the problem is that I'm always kind of looking for new things to listen to. And the few things that have stuck around, I just know immediately and I don't have to have like a, a rating system. So that's how it applies to me in terms of music listening. But I think that it's super cool that there are only like, uh, like good getting back to this Buzzfeed article really quickly. The fact that there are like fewer than 100, fewer than 100 for all of the people listening on Apple music, Spotify and Google play. They work full time at either Apple, Google or Spotify. Spotify, and they assemble, name, and update nearly every uh, playlist that's on those services. Like the ones that are human curated, those are the people that are that are taking care of that. And you know, one of the complaints that I've heard uh, regarding these these human curated playlists is that they often end up being too short for some people because what they want to do is go to work and like if sort of someone who listens to music while they work, then they want to go to work, they want to hit play, and they want it to play for the rest of the day. And I think that. 
all of the services are pretty good at that algorithmic uh, creation of music, but I find uh, taking the time to listen to the human curated playlists is often worth it. And I almost always make sure that shuffle is turned off if I'm going to listen to one of those playlists because there's a reason that they put them in that order. So yeah. Yeah. I'm really I'm really fond of of the way that things are going, and I almost encourage a laissez faire attitude toward your your Apple Music library. At least oh, if you want to stop gro- no. grinding groaning about. It. No, you put together the ultimate playlist. Yeah. You do. You do. You got to do it. Oh, no, yes. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Uh, I just mean like the the whole, uh, you know, library again, the management behind, piece of it. Yeah, the yeah. behind the Barney's 1940s bootstrap, whatever it was that I said earlier. Yeah. Like, so, so tied. I, there are some people, I'm not saying that for some people that's not a great thing because, uh, like Jim Dalrymple, for example, I understand he wants his 1940s behind the Barney's uh, recording. But if you are finding yourself like grown and grumping about Apple Music somehow deleting your library, then maybe you're doing too much at the library. Yeah. <laughs> you should just stick to playlists. I don't know. Uh, I just texted you both, and I'll, I'll put I'll put a, uh, this in the show notes. Also, a picture of one of my more involved Whoa. smart playlists. Whoa! Yeah, this is comments th- contains Steve. What does this, that even mean? This is why I am in business intelligence because I, this is how my brain works. That I like bet my library to my will, basically. And just treated, I treated my entire music library like a giant database, and just queried the the bejesus out of it. You and lifted Noah's wooden staff and said, <laughs> "Part the sea of Apple yes. music." Can you uh, put this into like normal human terms? What this is actually doing? Like, what does this tell the library? So, I media kind is making sure that it's actually music and not videos, because I also have uh, you know movies and television shows from iTunes and whatever in there. And then mm-hmm. I have a comments system that was originally designed to because Maureen and I put all of our music together and neither of us likes <sighs> any almost any of the other's music. So I put our names in the comments and then anything that we both it's like, like gets comma separated. Yeah, I tagged it. And then so that's what that comments contains Steve is. And then last play is not in the six months is um, it's self-explanatory. And then the rating yeah. is anything that's like four is something that I want to listen to on a regular basis. And five is like my all time favorite songs. And then I'm getting concerts and live shows out of it and video game soundtracks. And then that just updates to anything that I haven't listened to in the last six months, but I've rated high to make sure that I still like it. And if not, then I rate it down to a three so that it, it falls out. <laughs> and otherwise I let it listen all the way through. So then it falls out. So oh this is gosh. this is way down the rabbit hole of a data person get, coming at a problem and solving it with queries. Can I hire you? <laughs> no, because I already have a job. <laughs> oh, okay, darn. Well, that should definitely make it into the show notes so that other people can uh, bow in wonderment at your Noah staff raising of iTunes library management. Yes, when I, the day I discovered Smart Playlist was a very, very long two weeks. <laughs> Oh, oh my gosh. Oh, dear. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm getting the understanding here that I think we all are subconsciously dreading what we're about to talk about. But guess <laughs> what, friends? We've got to talk about it. We've, we've got to talk about uh, DT. <laughs> oh. uh, so no. s- s- some stuff is happening in the U.S., right? Uh, there, there's... Um, 
a very interesting, very orange person uh, <laughs> running for president who was just uh, given the Republican nomination. I, I'm even afraid to say the name, uh, lest the the t- Twitter friends of this of said person come out and, oh. and uh, attack me. <laughs> but let's talk about Donald Trump. People, <laughs> that would be disturbing to you, really. <laughs> let's yeah. talk about Donald Trump. Uh, no, no, no! I have to know this. Like that would be upsetting to you if Donald Trump fans like tweeted at you, like, "Oh, dare you?" Oh, no, no, no! I've I've okay, had some. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was gonna say I've had some people uh, tag you and I in tweets with the N word in it, which is far more disturbing than uh, Donald Trump fans, you know, yeah, trying yeah. to get at me. So yeah, no, that wouldn't really bother me. Just joking. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I guess I guess I will say though that I tweet fairly. If you follow me, I not not all the time, but. I tweet fairly often about, you know, being Jewish and Jewish things. And the only time that it has resulted in more than like one or two like harassing tweets is when I brought Trump into it, which was after <laughs> he tweeted the the sheriff star. If you haven't been following U.S. politics and God bless you if you haven't. A couple of weeks ago, Donald Trump posted a picture with Hillary Clinton, who's his opponent in the race, with a, a a yellow star that said most crooked candidate ever on top of a pile of money. And the Jewish star was a six pointed star, which is typically only used as the symbol of Judaism. And I, I post, I tweeted up a bunch of stuff that weekend. And that's really like, I've tweeted a lot about things like that, but bringing Trump into it brought me a whole bunch of people like quote tweeting my tweets and uh, quote tweeting my tweets with my name in triple parentheses, which oh, is great. The the neo Nazis their their signal that somebody is Jewish and needs to be targeted. Uh, somebody sent me a picture of a rat with a, with a yellow star on it, and and I mean again, this is like this is. This is like romper room compared to the stuff that Bree deals with on a regular basis. But I'm only saying that because the only time that I've gotten that level of things is when I've tweeted about that in conjunction with Trump. That's interesting. I I have uh, I, I don't know. I haven't really much tweeted about uh, the orange man because I just haven't. Um, so but I don't know, I guess the few times that I have, I have not faced that, which is I don't know I don't, if it's just a matter of. Uh, I don't know, uh, but I'm I'm sorry that you have dealt with that, and um, I would assume that there is some, you know, some anti-Semitism going on there where they were more likely. I mean, because of course there are going to be trolls. I mean, there are trolls out there, uh, you know, combing through the word, probably the word chocolate, and anyone who says the chocolate is bad, then somebody's ready to come at them about it. So I know that there are uh, probably loads of people that are uh, trolling the word or the, the keyword Trump and will, you know, come at people because they strongly believe in uh, what Donald Trump believes in and, and all of that kind of jazz. Uh, so So whenever we kind of talked about discussing this topic, um, one of the things that Bree and I both mentioned, you know, that I think is an important part of this is, Steve, we have... We always respect and uh, I don't know that I enjoy is certainly not the right word for me to, to use <laughs> yeah. here, but respect and appreciate whenever you discuss uh, Jewish history and when you talk about uh, s- some of the things that have happened in the past. And, you know, there are some comparisons to be made here. So I was hoping that you could you could uh, start us off in talking about that. Yeah. And, and I mean, we had a conversation about Trump a few months ago. I think it was back on Isometric. 
um, where we were talking about fascism. And uh, I mean, oh, yeah. Yeah. And if it, just from watching like the RNC, the Republican National oh. Convention speeches, like I was just like terrified. Like I've never seen. Uh, people at the at a convention like chanting to lock up the opposing candidate or I mean some of the things that I mean th- there was a lot that was made of Laura Ingram like making the Nazi salute and I I oh. and and I don't I don't even want to make too much of that because I, I think that it's hard to believe that she actually did that on purpose and it you couldn't make that up to be more than it was. But there was that was like one drop in the bucket compared to a lot of the can, stuff. Can I say something about this, Steve? Yeah. I, I, I don't agree with you there. And look, I this is your area more than mine, so I will bow to your opinion here. But this is this is why I don't agree with this. Um so have you ever noticed that if you go to another country, um people can read your facial expressions um just just naturally? Like it, it springs up from like the the neural deep structures of your brain. Like facial facial reactions and all of that and this is the way that even across cultures a lot of things just kind of um translate automatically it's um you know um neural linguistic infrastructure and so when you think about that salute you know putting your hand in the hair like a nazi that didn't just come out of nowhere right Right. like yeah in, in this time period you were living in in Germany for it it was a a motion that was kind of evocative of that, of that emotion that you're feeling. So as you're watching this entire speech on TV, I really did. I turned to Frank at least a dozen times. I'm like, does this feel like a Nazi rally to you? Because it was just hate. And it was like blaming different people for all the angers of the working class. It was like the strong, powerful leader that's going to get rid of the troublemakers or politically correct and bring order to stuff. And it was terrifying. Yeah. So for me, I kind of read that. It's like her kind of just pumping her fist in the air like, yes, Mm. I feel you. I feel your energy. We're going to do this. And I think it's evocative of that same deep structure of the human brain. That's my interpretation of it, which may be too scientific. So. Yeah, no, I mean, I figure that it's something that she – I don't think she was like sending – necessarily sending a signal. Like I don't want to read no, into it like no, a lot of people no, were. No, but but no. I think it's just the optics of it like – if you know with everything that's been going on like you need to make sure that you make any hand gesture but that one basically <laughs> if you're if you're on stage at the RNC but but it was very scary because it's a lot again it's a lot of blaming people for problems and you know wanting to lock people up and wanting to get rid of the immigrants and wanting and and blaming everything on radical islamic terrorism and and a lot of just blaming others and and othering mm-hmm. and um it, if you look at how like the Nazi party came to power and it's it, there are some just some similarities that it's just hard to it's hard to not notice because well, please yeah i, I mean yeah, like and and I'll, i will say that I, so i went to jewish day school for 9 years and they and i i know i've said this on the show before but they hammered the holocaust into us like that's the what like every year there was a history unit on the holocaust like that hap- that's a thing that happened and to the point where i i at some point i actually felt like i almost was like immune to it and in high school i had to read ellie wazell's night as an assignment and i thought i'm i'm a big tough kid i'm just going to read this whole thing in one night don't do that 
Um, that's 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 if you if you hear nothing else that I say, don't try to read Ellie Wiesel's night in one in, in one sitting. It's not a good idea. But like when you look at what happened to get the Nazis into power, like you hear about like what happened from like 1939 or 1935. But a lot of it is like it's it wasn't like a military coup that no. that got the Nazis into power. Like they that was how Hitler wanted to do it originally back in the 20s. And then he got thrown in jail for that. That's when he ended up writing Mein Kampf. And what his time in prison and, you know, getting older and maturing kind of taught him that he needed to work within the system. And so that's when they ended up working through the democratic system to try to get elected until they could um, overthrow the the government and turn it into a dictatorship. But they got a lot of people behind them because of the aftermath of World War One, where they had surrendered in 1918 and there was a feeling in Germany like they could have won the war if they just kept at it. And there was some sort of a conspiracy that caused the government and the politicians to surrender and, and give up. And that mm-hmm. kind of undermined German strength. And from that point on, that's something that Hitler – he he preyed on that. And yeah. there's a lot of like I'll, – I'll link a couple things in the show notes. There's one um, five-minute – uh, Ted video that's worth watching if you don't watch anything else just kind of get an overview please do watch it yeah. seriously please go watch it it's it's incredibly informative and there were I mean I, I've taken a lot of history classes in in my time as I mean it did not provide the just succinct point and uh, clarification that this video did and it's only five minutes and it's it's so worth it um, but and there's also another another ser- two-part series from the BBC that's a little bit longer. That's that's worth watching if you're if you're interested in diving a little bit deeper. One speech in, of Hitler's in that in that series that they quoted that was talking about that I never said that Germany was going to be rebuilt in a moment, but it's only once the German people are strong again will we be able to to take our country back. Something along those lines. It's hard to hear a lot of the the Make America Great Again and listening to people blaming a lot of outside forces for everything that's gone wrong in the country and and honestly like there's a there was an article as we're recording this on Friday that came out like fact checking all of Trump's speeches that had a bunch just a bunch of graphs that were like yeah. no these three these graphs completely refute everything that he's saying but the facts don't really matter i think yeah. that there's a there's a a feeling since 911 really that we lost a lot of our strength in this company country among a certain uh, group of of people and there's a lot of complaining about political correctness there's a lot of complaining about uh you know about immigration there's a lot of complaining about about um islamic terrorism and there's a lot of things that even though objectively by the numbers that things have improved over the last 8 years or so uh since obama took office there's a lot of feeling that a lot of people have lost something and that the country has lost something despite all the evidence. And they are willing to believe somebody who's telling them that they're right and Mm -hmm. that he, they have, and they just want somebody to do something like that was the thing that they, that they had a, a, somebody playing a Brown shirt in this, in this BBC video. And he was, they were asking like, well, because there was a real fear of communism taking over in, in Nazi Germany. There was a fear that the communists were going to come over, come take over and overthrow a lot of the middle class 
um, like small like factories and small businesses and turn everything into Russia. And so there was a, a distinct fear of that as well as a feeling that the Jews um, were in conspiracy with whoever decided to surrender the war because they were the a lot of the the Jewish businesses were still doing well after the war. There's kind of that combination of like a real legitimate threat because like the communist threat was real. Those 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 uprisings were really happening. And a perceived threat of others that are conspiring behind the scenes to stop to to undermine the country and that nobody's doing anything and we'll just listen to the one person who's saying that they will do anything no matter what it takes because we need to we need to do something. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's also worth saying, like, you know, Hitler was, as I understand, was not a doctrinaire person on the right or the left. He was a populist more than anything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Some things from you know, both of what in American centric politics we think about that. So, you know, when I think about the nationalism, when I think about some of his foreign policy <laughs> statements, when I think about the, the driving anger at others, I mean, it's, you know, we had a really long discussion. Micah, back me up here on, on this before we talked about this fix. We don't want disruption to be, you know, an all politics show, but I'm just telling you listeners, we, I watched this this week and I, I, I really worry for my safety. Micah, I worry for your safety. Steve, I worry for your safety. George will be okay. She's in Canada. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, I, I really, I don't see how you can be an American that's part of the other and and not really be terrified by what we're seeing. I mean, I I remember, guys, like, I grew up in the most religious right family. I have worked for Republicans at the highest levels. There are Republicans that, you know, if I gave their names, you would know them and be very surprised that they used to be my boss. You know, the, the way that Republicans think is not a mystery to me. And that's why, you know, I can have some empathy, or at least I try to find common ground with people when I disagree mm-hmm. with them. You know... But the Bush administration was so terrifying, you know, us invading Iraq. And I was working for them at that point. And I'm like, this is wrong. We don't have the evidence. Like, this is just factually wrong. And to think that, you know, like, we did a lot of really horrific things in that war. And in 2004, I have never worked harder for anything in my entire life than to get Bush not elected that year. And I said to myself at the time, there's nothing in American politics that will ever be this important in my lifetime again. And it's just terrifying to me that I'm wrong. There is so much more that's on the line this time. Steve, you know, he was talking two nights ago saying that he would not um, you know, necessarily defend NATO countries if they were attacked. This is literally a statement that could lead to World War III. It could destabilize the entire world. So if you're just thinking about the world through like a, a pragmatic lens of can we ship things or fly places or have a basic economy, um, you know, this is the time that we're living in. And I just can't have this show disruption and not talk about that because I'm I'm genuinely scared. I'm scared yeah. all of the time. Yeah. Look, I think it, like it, it, of course I'm going to back you up on that because <laughs> yeah, I mean this is this is this is our lives. Uh, these are our lives and 
we are in the other groups. And so plain and simple, like <laughs> as, as women and as a bisexual person and as all of these things, like there's so much to be afraid of with, with this. And so, you know, we're part of the Relay FM network and doggone it, if there isn't going to be at least one show on the Relay FM network talking about this, then I don't think that we're doing doing yeah. the right thing. Right. And so yeah. I am glad that we're doing it, uh, you know, even if we have to be the only show that's doing it, because there are so many people out there. I mean, first of all, th- this is why you this is why I know the listeners have always tuned into Disruption, because they enjoy the conversation that takes place here and uh, enjoy our differences of opinions and the opinions that we share. And so, yeah, I mean, I would never not want to talk about this, and it's way too important to not discuss it. It's way too important to ignore. And when, except for our, our Canadian friend, when we have such reason to to be concerned about this, I don't know how we can go on as just humans and not use the platform that we have to discuss it. So uh, it makes it makes sense to me. And I don't know, I Steve, I, I want to touch on something that came up in the. The piece that I think is so important in this uh, and is sometimes, you know, kind of ignored here because I think that a lot of um, idealistic um, liberals will kind of go, well, like when it came to slavery, most of the time um, the northern the northern states were filled with intellectual people who understood that slavery was a bad thing and so we could escape to the north and we would be free. Well, when it comes to something like Hitler – uh, and yes, I did say something here. Um, when it comes to something like this, it included intellectual people and it included people in power through businesses who did not want to be – once they saw this thing going the way that it was going and knew there was no turning back, it didn't matter that they were intellectuals and it didn't matter that they were you know, people in power through business. They didn't want to be on the wrong side of public opinion because that meant that their businesses were going to be ignored or it meant that them as intellectuals, they'd be in danger. And so we have – you know that that is a concern it doesn't matter if you have intellectuals who maybe in their brain of brains instead of their heart of hearts know that what you know uh hitler was saying is incorrect they still are like well i can't be on the the wrong side of of uh public opinion here or else it's going to put me in a bad place so that's terrifying in and of itself because you can't even rely on that as a means of of pushback no there's no stopgap i mean it's because people will back a winner at the end of the day right and they'll go along with it if it's going to benefit them and and i mean there's that old poem about you know no one stood up you know they asked for all the jews and i wasn't a jew so i so i you know i didn't stand up and then eventually they you know they asked for me and there was no one to stand up for me and and i mean i think that and i think that specifically to your point right like but the reason that i get so so concerned about anti-semitism in specific in particular and and like neo-nazis flaring up and stuff like that is that um the jews have always been kind of accepted until they're not um, and that was the case in Germany as well. Like, a, like it, it's been a, a trend in history to blame the Jews for more or less anything throughout history. Like they, they blame the Black Plague on the Jews. They said that that one of the Jews uh, poisoned one of the wells with the Black Plague and that's what caused it to start. Like there there's like a longstanding tradition of blaming the Jews for anything that happens to be going wrong. But in like the in the late 1800s, early 1900s, the the Jews are even like not saying that they were the chosen people anymore to better integrate into into German society. And it didn't 
it didn't matter once, you know, things started to go bad. And, and specifically around what you're saying about the North, like, I'm pretty tuned into this stuff because I, you know, I'm always kind of just on the lookout with that in the back of my head that there's always a possibility that things could go south in a hurry, right? And I'm I'm white until I'm not. And there's I've there's been a bunch of incidents in Massachusetts, which is one of the most liberal states in the nation. There was a scenario, there was an issue where uh, a bunch of printers were hacked at BU to print up flyers for Stormfront, which is a, a neo-Nazi uh, site. There were there have been a, a couple of there was an incident in a town next to mine where a bunch of uh, kids uh, yearbooks were defaced with swastikas. Uh, there was uh, there was just a swastika that had to be painted off a building in in Arlington, Mass, like a week or two ago. And this is more than I can remember, like in my lifetime, like I keep telling the story of like when I was in fourth grade, somebody had painted a swastika on the building of the synagogue where my school was. And they took us all out to look at it so that we would know to look at it. And that was a formative moment for me because I'd never seen anything like it. And I, mm-hmm. I really haven't seen very much since. And all of a sudden, it seems like it's flaring up in more and more frequently, like they're small things. They're not small things if you're affected by them, obviously, but it's, you know, it's, it's a little thing here and there, but it's kind of feels like it's important of, of things to come. And it, and it's, it's terrifying to me from that perspective, because it seems to be amping up with the, with along with how Trump has risen over the last Mm -hmm. few months. This is, this is what I would say, Steve. And first, I I completely back up what you're saying. That feeling is true. I've, I've seen this, this fear rising in you over the course of this uh, presidential cycle. And I can just, I I just want to give voice to that and say, I feel it and I hear it. I can say from my perspective, yeah, the things that I feel like I face, yeah. um, you know, they're they're not theoretical. They're real. They're you know, very real. A, yeah, they're they're very very real. Absolutely, um, Mike. I know you can understand this, but um, you know, like the the vice presidential candidate, you know, Pence is someone with some truly horrific views on gay rights, on bisexual rights, on trans rights, on women's rights, on everything. We're living in a society right now where um, there's no group on the planet that is murdered more than transgender women, uh, especially transgender women of color. This is just a fact. Um, You know, and you have, you know, a person that's on the other side that I really worry about my friend's survival I worry about some of my friends, their ability to get health care. Um, I really have to question, like under, you know, Trump presidency, what kind of career options I would have. Um, I, I, it's really is not theoretical. It's in my face. So when, when I, you know, I realize that, you know, there are listeners of disruption and isometric that we voted for different people in the primary. And I can respect that, but it's hard for me when I'm thinking about certain friends of mine and I'm asking myself, um, is their ability to get life-saving health care to transition going to be taken away if Trump goes away? And they're talking about voting for a third party. Um, it just... It, it's hard for me personally not to feel a lot of anger about that. And like there's there's privilege there. Um, and I get it. Man, I 
I did not like Hillary Clinton in 2008. And it's only now as I've gotten a bit older, you know, since Obama's been elected and in eight years, I kind of understand what women, you know, in our 30s face. I'm sure as I get into my 40s, I will understand that. And I kind of understand these forces that cause us culturally to hate Clinton so much. That's not to say there's not extremely legit criticism of her. I'm terrified of her aggressive militarism. Um, you know, I walk down the street protesting the Iraq war constantly, and I'll do the same thing to Hillary if she has the policies I fear that she will. But to put your family at risk, Steve, Micah, to put your family at risk, to put my family at risk over a Trump administration, I feel... I just, I feel like this is not the time. And if no. you're saying there's not going to be a difference between Clinton and Trump, I just can't yeah. agree with you on that. That's you know? yeah. That, I mean, that's that's absolutely like, uh, like my like my fears are very theoretical. But I'm not worrying they're, they're about. They're not theoretical, well, Steve. Like, well, all, all of us will be right. Yeah, but they're yeah. they're less. They're, they're not immediate, and they're not already happening. And they're not right. going to get like substantially worse in a Trump administration. Like I don't have to worry about getting getting shot by by a policeman if I'm pulled over. I don't need to worry about not being able to to get health care or not be able to or possibly be fired. There are some states I believe that you can still be fired for you know being for being gay, and that doesn't protect your job. And it's so yeah. even like my fears are more. What could happen or and God forbid, you know, I I have a number of friends who are Muslim that I I really am terrified for because the a lot of the speeches are basically painting, uh, you know, they're saying radical Islamic terrorism, but they're painting Muslims as the enemy. And I would be terrified to be Muslim in this country right now. And so, you know, because there's a very real threat that they I mean, we've we we locked up the, you know, people of Japanese descent in the 40s, too. And that, you know, that's not a very great. um, Which they defended. I couldn't believe it. I tuned into the convention. They were defending that. Yeah. They were on there. They're going, well, nobody missed any meals. And it's really not that big deal if you think about it. I'm like, this is what you're going to talk about at your convention, Steve. You're completely, in my opinion. Like, you know, you are completely legit to be worried about this. That you can't see a major political candidate being closely aligned with David Duke and go, huh, is this anger getting him elected going to affect Jewish people? I mean, that's a completely reasonable fear. Yeah. And David Duke being comfortable enough to run for Senate in Louisiana yeah. on top of that. Yeah. yeah. So I, I've said this before in, in personal conversations between us, and I, I mean, I'll say it again here. I've never, ever, ever been a fan of like of the, you know, what I'm experiencing is is and always will be worse than what you're it's experiencing, not a Steve. And so, yeah, I'm not there's no contest here. And I respect that you have those fears and I would never try yeah. to say those fears are ungrounded. And absolutely. And look, we talked about this before, too. I'm usually the happy go lucky, smiley person in the group other than i mean georgia is too but i i mean we saw how she feels about personal data protection (laughs) and so i'm I'm typically uh, (laughs) i'm typically pretty pacifistic but i will tell you hands down right now uh near tears as i'm saying this because this is how much it it bothers me i am pissed at the idea that people would put every every person 
I don't know, I, that so many people that I care about and so many people who they, uh, you know, suggest they care about at risk by voting for a third party simply based on the fact that the person that they wanted to elect is, is not going to be able to be electable. And I, I want to go down this list really quick. Mike Pence signed Indiana's dangerous right to discriminate bill, is a longtime foe of marriage equality, opposes protecting transgender students, voted against federal employment protections, opposed repeal of don't ask, don't tell, and to kick it off, even voted against hate crimes law, calling it a radical social agenda. But we would choose to vote for a third party at the risk of putting Mike Pence and Donald Trump into the presidency because we don't agree with with some of the, the beliefs that Hillary Clinton has, knowing that by putting Hillary Clinton in power, as opposed to Donald Trump, we don't have those things, those things on that list to worry about. I am heartbroken every time I see someone make that statement. And I'm pissed every time I see someone make that statement. Because what that's saying is that their their desire to vote for a candidate who you know they've they've got a, a heart on for is more important than than my safety than Bree's safety than Steve's safety than my significant other's safety than my family's safety than all of these people's safety and that is just it's beyond me i can't understand it because you know whether that be you are a you know a bernie sanders uh, believer or you are a true third party believer who believes in the things they believe, oftentimes that means believing in protections of 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 people in you know in the LGBTQ community or uh, or people of color or what have you. And so I can't understand that. I can't. I will never be able to understand that. And I think that it's wrong. And if you know, uh, let's have a conversation about it if you want to. But it, it I'm I'm pissed about that. I I, I can't put it any yeah. other way. Yeah. I would say this. If you're, I think this would be a far better country if we had a viable third party solution and like I what I would love to see happen I'm you know I'm, I'm sorry if this upsets people on the left but there are reasonable republicans out there there are people that have different views on the economic structure that they prefer and the role of government I don't agree with them but we can agree the world isn't flat you know so <laughs> So, you know, what I want to see happen to the Republican Party is I would like to see, you know, this this extreme radical fringe, um, like, split off from, you know, the people they're economic and social conservatives. I don't agree with, but we can have a country there. In the same way, if you're on the left and you really believe in Bernie Sanders or the Green Party, I 100% respect that. Mm -hmm. But the way you get this done, and look, I'm practicing what I preach. I go out there every election. I donate money. I walk the streets. I get people registered to vote. uh, You know, I go to fundraisers. I I do my part. I write out bets. You You just voting and throwing a temper tantrum is not enough. Like, if you want a third party system, go out there, work for it in between elections. Like, do more than just talk about it on Twitter, which is very low efficacy action, you know? Like, yeah, there are things that you can do. But, you know, this is this is a really vital time. Like, this is... The Washington Post had an op-ed today, like, really questioning if our constitutional system can continue to survive if Trump is president. Yeah. And it's beyond rational fear. Yeah. And, you know, I would just ask you to to really recognize the unique danger that we are under at this point in time. 
Oh. Let's talk about something happy. Yeah. Let's talk about something happy. So maybe some robot dogs. You want to talk about robot dogs some more? <laughs> Don't we have a pile no. of voicemails this week? Yeah. 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 Are there any fun, fun ones? Okay. So let's so let's move over to voicemail. So uh, so let's play this one first. Here we go. Hey, Disrupticons. Uh, Mike here. I've been listening since the start of Isometric, and I really love how you tackle issues that my other podcasts don't touch. It was uh, really awesome hearing you hash out different viewpoints on electronic privacy the other week. Um, dovetailing with your later discussion on activism, I'd like to point out that some people might be better able or willing to donate to organizations that help limit the erosion of privacy. So, for example, the Electronic Frontier Foundation, Electronic Privacy Information Center, and American Civil Liberties Union are among the organizations that um, do actually have the halberds in the courts and the pitchforks on Capitol Hill. And, of course, it's important to increase awareness around us. And I know how you've talked about how nonprofits can be flawed, too. But it's an, another avenue that might help further this cause. Thanks again for the great podcasts. P.S. I'm building a new gaming PC and would love some recommendations for games rich in both story and graphics. So I'm oh already considering games like Firewatch, Inside, Rise of the Tomb Raider. But do you have any other suggestions? Thanks so much. Fine. Okay, I gotta tell you what I am loving lately. What I'm loving, what I'm completely addicted to, to the abrogation of my own career goals is Final <laughs> Fantasy XIV. I am freaking addicted as frack to that game. Um, I didn't appreciate doing the dungeon raid the other day, where the dude kept telling me to eat the character's balls, which was <laughs> um, which is right. Can I tell you about this, Mike? Yeah. I get, I'm like. I'm like. They keep going, eat the balls, eat the balls, eat the balls. I'm like, hey, guys, can we, like, maybe use another name for this mechanic? Maybe absorb the orbs, you know, (laughs) touch the orbs. Anything except for eat the balls. And I got viciously attacked. Oh, brother. They put it on 4chan and all of that. Well, you had an opinion, so. I had an opinion (laughs) to ask some white, straight, cisgender dudes to think about their actions, which is a huge mistake. Um, Don't ever do that. Don't ever, ever do that. I love that. Um, Mass Effect, uh, Mass Effect trilogy is always excellent. Can I just tell you a fun game that'll cost you $3? I've been loving on my own custom built PC. So, Steve, you played Genesis, right? Micah, again, yeah. you were a zygote, so you, yeah. know, you don't read about Genesis on Wikipedia. Yeah. But uh, right. yeah, I play Genesis games, absolutely. <laughs> okay, okay. So, there is what I found out is if you spend $3 on the Genesis classics on Steam, they have an entire community that has gone through those games and hacksawed the frack out of them. So, like, you pay, like, pennies for all of these games, and, like, they've altered Streets of Rage 2, so you're playing with Cammy instead of, like, Blaze, or you get RoboCop, like, playing through the entire game from the, from the RoboCop game. They've even hacksawed some of the ROMs, so it's, like, Alyssa Dragoon, uh, which Can is Can you play a robot chihuahua? Game. You probably could, Micah. I will, <laughs> I will tell you how to make that happen. Thank uh, you. Uh, after the show. No, but it's a, it's a little $3 game, and I've had an absolute blast for it. But stick with Final Fantasy fourteen. That's a great uh, game. I'm surprised you, you didn't mention either XCOM 2 or Dreamfall Chapters, because I was expecting well, you to say okay, either Dreamfall Chapters, you're just you're, you're jogging my memory. That's it. Uh, <laughs> XCOM 2 has a pretty solid story. I would definitely recommend that. Did you ever finish that, Steve? XCOM no, 2? my computer is not happy about running it. Can mine. Yeah. <laughs> Go build your own PC. Yeah. 
Awesome. And yeah, thank you for, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say thank you for the, the first part of that message where you reminded, um, about, yes, the pitchforks on, on Capitol Hill. <laughs> uh, those, those are some, some good organizations that, uh, are certainly worth paying attention to and, uh, you know, giving some things out of your pocketbook. Yeah. Yeah. And the only, yeah. And the only other thing I'd add to the game discussion is Overwatch. Just go get Overwatch and, and just enjoy Overwatch. It doesn't have much of a story, but at least it's good. It's, you know, going to be something you can try out your graphics card with and you'll have a fun time with it. So, but it does. Yeah. What I think is really interesting about Overwatch is how it tells a story through really cutting edge brilliant character design like yeah you and interactions and yeah. you just yeah you just know who these people are no matter what yeah so, yeah you know. i mean i do really appreciate like the little conversations that they have at the beginning like while you're waiting while you're waiting for the for the game to actually start and it's just like those little interactions make it so make make the characters feel a lot more real than you know in something like call of duty or whatever so uh so i have a question somebody dm'd me if you guys want to yeah sure that this week and this is really more of a georgia question as it's a psychological question uh but i'll just read it out here uh brianna hi big fan of the show i have a quick question i was hoping you could tackle i have a friend of mine that has started talking in an australian accent even (laughs) though she is from queens (laughs) when I just showed up back from summer break and she just started speaking this way all of the time. I'm very confused. I don't know if I should talk to her about it. I don't know if I should call her family and try to get her some psychological help. Do you have any suggestions? (laughs) (laughs) So, Micah, I'm going to kick that over to you first. All right. Here's here's what I got for you. Um, I have heard of some some situations where people have gone into a coma and come out speaking <laughs> in a different accent or even language. Yeah. Uh, so I think the first step here is to take your friend to ha- encourage your friend to go to the doctor, and once they're at the doctor, get them an MRI and and check for any brain bruising. And if there's yeah. brain bruising, then that's clearly the problem. Now, if there's not brain bruising, uh, then you're going to want to go to anxiety dash videos.com <laughs> and you're just going to play those videos on a loop until the person stops speaking with an Australian accent. Uh, failing all of that, introduce them to a koala at which point they will realize they never wanted to be Australian in the first place because koalas are terrible, horrible creatures and it will snap them right out of it. Steve, uh, what, do you, what do you think? Well, I have to ask you just straight up, is this about Simone? Because I was listening to Rocket this morning and I heard Simone all of a sudden in the middle of an ad read break into a British accent. So <laughs> I don't know if you're actually like subtweeting Simone on our show. And, and if so, I, I, I support this intervention if so. <laughs> no, Simone, you can't look. Look, Simone, we understand Simone like my dog understands me, right? Like, like what, barely or what? Like, you just can't. She's Simone de Rochefort. You can't. No, this is uh, this is from a friend of mine in the social justice community. So no, I'm not subtweeting Simone. I would talk smack about Simone if I needed to. Uh, <laughs> I just hope my robot, my future robot dogs, understand me just as well. We, I love that. We understand Simone like my dog understands me. Still not sure what it means, but it's making me laugh. (laughs) 
Yeah, so I, hopefully I guess that I would say this about this question. Um, you know, I grew up in Mississippi, which was a very poor state. Um, and yeah, I don't know your friend. I'm just drawing on my own personal experiences. But something I saw a lot growing up in a, a state with the highest illiteracy rates in the nation, and literally you could drive a town over and there were people living without electricity um, or water. Um, I, I, I saw up front the, the kind of Mississippian terror about class, right? Um, it was kind of a discomfort in, in, in who they felt like. Um, my own brother, even though we grew up in a pretty affluent family, uh, would go out and hit golf balls and became extremely good at playing golf because it felt like, um, a social thing for him that kind of masked some of his uh, social anxieties. Yeah, I could say for myself, like often growing up, I wanted to be from a different place just because I was so embarrassed about being from Mississippi. Um, you know, now as an adult, I feel pride at coming from that background. If you look at some of the most famous, um, you know, uh, people to ever come out of that state, like we're all pretty progressive people, Morgan Freeman, Oprah Winfrey, like really warm people that took this, kind of horrific experience and turned it into something positive. So um, my guess in hearing about the situation is it's really your friend kind of doesn't like themselves and they're trying to pretend to be someone else. So um, I don't know if talking to them about it, like Georgia could probably advise me on that better than I would know, but um, I would really worry that your friend is hurting. Go try to talk to them. Well. Okay. So, well, <laughs> I've got, yeah. Okay. Well, I've got, I've got one more tweet that we can address, and then we, right, I think we should, it. and then I think we should wrap it up. So, GTFO. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> Slinger Tail uh, tweeted at us with the hashtag "disrupt me" yeah. and ah. asked, "Is Dawabunga still a thing, or did that die with Isometric?" No, no, Dawabunga will never die. <laughs> Though I do have to say, from the Georgia Dow leaks that came out today, we did discover <laughs> that Georgia Dow is in fact not her real name. It's Georgia Trump. No, no, no. Georgia no. Trump. So Trumpabunga, oh, no. Trumpabunga. I guess I don't know. But Dowabunga, please tweet it at Georgia. Yeah. Yes. Next time I've got a candidate. I've got Georgia's address. I'm going to spray paint it on her car, I, and I'll be across the border before she even notices. So. so does that mean it's time to make Dowabunga great again? Is that what we're saying? Yeah, uh, make Dowabunga great again. No, I can't do this. But seriously, <laughs> listeners, tweet Dowabunga at Georgia yeah. over the course of the next yeah. week, and just yes. just fill her her Twitter stream because if you know anything about Georgia, like if you if you follow her on Twitter. And you talk with Georgia. Uh, she like checks Twitter late at night once a, once in a blue moon. So it'll just be filled with Dawabunga tweets, and I think that that would be glorious and wonderful. So you should yeah. definitely yes. do that. Uh, you think... tell her what you found from the Georgia, uh, the Georgia yes. email leaks. Use hashtag Georgia email leaks and just put it all out there. Like, yeah. Oh, oh my God! I'm reading this right now. Georgia single handedly funded the movie Geely. Oh my, god. oh my god, Georgia was responsible for that. Okay. Yeah. Was there anything about her, her game? Was that and anything about her backing Nickelback? Yes. Georgia was an original <laughs> member of Nickelback, according to the George Dow email leaks. Very disappointed in her. Uh, oh my gosh. My oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. I'm reading uh, Georgia Dow. Okay, wait. I'm trying to get the timeline here. Okay, Georgia Dow 
introduced Justin Bieber to Usher, who, of course, is the man responsible for making Justin Bieber famous. So the reason that we have Justin Bieber is because of Georgia Dow. I knew it. I knew yeah. it. Another one that goes all the way to the top. I'm telling you. <laughs> Georgia Dow's house. Uh. <laughs> right, right there to Georgia Dow's house in Canada, which is going to have Dowabunga spray. Oh, wait, no, it's a car that's going to have Dowabunga spray uh. painted on the side of it. All right. Uh, hopefully by next week, uh, Steve's toaster will have been stolen. Um, <laughs> but in the meantime, I think it's about time to round this out. Uh, if you'd like to be one of the wonderful people who gets in touch with us, you can either call us at 50 Zero eight four one eight three five three two. That's five zero eight four one eight three five three two, and leave us a voicemail. Or go on Twitter, find us at underscore disruption FM, and tweet at us with the hashtag disrupt me. If you'd rather remain anonymous or you just want to keep the the question private, then go ahead and send us a direct message, uh, and we will be able to see that there. We have our DMs open. <gasps> So I suppose all we have left to do is say goodbye. Please review the show on iTunes because, of course, it helps. Uh, even if you want to leave your your revelations about the Georgia Dow documents, uh, you can find the show notes and links to all of the stuff that we talked about this week at Relay.fm slash disruption. Thanks, of course, to our wonderful network, Relay FM. My Twitter account where you can find me tweeting about things is at Micah Sargent. Steve? Where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Wicked Good. And I want to I wanna take my time just to give a quick shout out to James Wan Gal because I had put out a plea for people to sign up for Hearthstone with my link so that I can get an adorable Murloc Shaman hero portrait. And, oh, God, Steve. And he, and he came through. So I have an adorable Aww. Murloc as my, as my Shaman now. You so, are abusing our audience for your own fun and profit. Well, it was my own personal Twitter. So... But I'm 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 saying I'm I'm abusing our show to say thank you. So how using dare Twitter. you besmirch the fine name of Twitter with your freaking commercial? I know using Steve. Twitter for personal game. I'm such a monster. Bree, <laughs> Bree, if people want to find you on the abused Twitter uh, by Steve, where can they find you? Well, I'll tell them that first. But first. I feel like I haven't yelled at our listeners to rate the show. <gasps> it has so been a while. Yeah, that. it's time to do it. Oh God! Then <laughs> you listen, and oh you gosh. listen good. You get on your computer right now. And you get out there, and you 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 review our show. Do it like your life depends on it. It Go does. Great. Uh, Rate the show. Rate the show right now. Okay, I'm done. Brilliant, brilliant. I'm so okay. surprised that your dogs don't bark every time you do that <laughs> smashing thing. They're probably eaten by Oh, coyotes. they're outside. Okay. Yeah. They're, they're, putting, they're doing the dishes. My Twitter handle is SpaceCatGal. <laughs> and if Georgia was here this week, you could find her at Georgia underscore Dow, not Georgia Dow, because she still has yet to claim that Twitter handle as her own. Thanks, of course, for listening in. And Steve, do you have something to tell our audience? Go, rate the show, and then go find something else to listen to. Go, we're done. Goodbye. Why are you still listening? Go. Go. Like Ferris Bueller's Day Off. <laughs> no, that's, this is a Steve Lubitz original. It has nothing to do with them. <laughs>